Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award-winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. This the one and only time when the Rebel Crickhopper will actually catch a fish. Sometimes I just stand there and get bit by like three pythons. Don't you even dare come at me with fruit, watermelon, and ceviche. Maybe it was the woo-hoo I held when the U.S. Customs agent swept his hands through my netherworld. Good morning, degenerate anglers. Welcome to Bent, the fishing podcast that has grand ambitions to one day get all its hair and makeup sponsorships from Great Clips. I'm Joe Cermelli. <laughs> I'm Miles Nolte, and uh, dude, I think we can aim higher. Supercuts, all the way. And a supercut costs only six dollars. But believe me, there's no secret. Anyone can do it. Don't ask me why they don't. So, just to get this straight, I think that that was old advertising, but the angle it there. Was. Was that the haircutting service they offered? It requires no skill at all and can be performed by anyone, by any human. I think I think that's what they were going for. That, for- like, that's what Flo- <laughs> that's what Flobies were for, weren't they? It sucks <laughs> as it cuts. So yeah, exactly. But, what do you expect, man? I mean, the, the haircuts there cost six bucks, which is probably why my mom took me to Supercuts until I got to junior high. At which uh-huh. point, I, I refused to get any haircuts at all anymore, so I could grow out my sweet sweet locks. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain you were very proud of those locks back in the day. We just washed the hair. You know, I work on my hair a long time, and you, and you hit it. He hits my hair. I've actually got a photo of you, which, which you <laughs> sent me from your teen years to prove it, and it, 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 it's hilarious, dude. It's I, I hilarious. did send you that. I may regret it. And it honestly, if that if that picture had anything to do with fishing. It would it would probably be our greatest awkward oh, photo of all time. Totally, totally. See, I never had long hair, but it was bleached blonde for a Ooh, time. Frosted? Like, no, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't frosted. It wasn't frosted. <laughs> 
Like I, I did it with the stuff, but I left it on way too long. And then you convince yourself like it looks cool. This was yeah. like like the end of my my punk like end of high school. Yeah. But see, I'm not sending you any of those photos because I I know better. You're smarter than me. Right. Because yeah. I mean, in the photo that you sent me, you are wearing a fish hook necklace, like a big, thick tribal fish hook. Like I, I think <laughs> I think that's also been used on certain salt life apparel. One of those. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. It too. is, or it was, it has been, and and I, yes, I did wear one of those for. A and time. and you're you're playing the bongos shirtless. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Also true. I had moved out of the metal <laughs> punk era, and I was into a reggae phase. I do not sip the coke. I only smoke. I do not sip the coke. I only smoke. I do not sip the. See, and whatever you just played, that's like real reggae. That's like, I, I, I was listening to like Jimmy Cliff, and that's like poser Doesn't reggae, count. Right, no. exactly. But anyway, look, regardless, I will make sure to post that photo up on Instagram today so everyone can bask in your uh, 18-year-old glory. But in the meantime, a big announcement today. Listen up. Bent has got a great new friend. It's true, we do. This podcast is brought to you by the number 13. Got the number 13. Tattooed on my neck. Ah, see, now while I appreciate the reference there, and that was spot on, I prefer the Danzig version. Put a number 13 tattooed on my neck. Danzig over, over cash. You're going mm -hmm. Danzig over cash, seriously? Yeah. Yeah, no. Danzig does does Elvis better than Elvis too, oh, in my opinion. Look that God. one up. <laughs> I, I cannot. I, I seriously cannot disagree with you more than I do. But it doesn't matter. It's not the point. The point I'm trying to make is that we're proud to announce that we've teamed up with Thirteen Fishing to bring yes. all of you this show every single week. Yes, and I know a lot of you already know Thirteen. They make fine rods, reels, and baits for degenerate anglers. Whether you embrace the underappreciated genius of Danzig or follow the conformist Hollywood polished Joaquin Phoenix style of music and fishing. <laughs> Thank you for working 1994's worst insult into that. Mm -hmm. Such mm -hmm. a conformist, dude. Conformist, Such a conformist. Man. But <laughs> Thirteen Fishing, however, is not. They make unique well-thought-out, badass gear to cover almost all your fishing needs. And in fact, you can see the goods in action right now on yep. our YouTube channel because episode two of Joe's new show, B-Side Fishing, is live, coming in hot from the swamps of Jersey. Yep, that's true. We did uh, get kind of swampy this week, but last week... I did a little Key West charter trip without ever leaving the, the, the confines of my home state of Jersey. So I hope nobody, yep. if, you, if you still haven't seen that, like get with it. Um, and I, I'll tell you what, I asked some 13 spinning rods to take on fish. They were probably not designed to handle in that episode, but th I mean, they crushed it. They yep. held up very nicely. Anyway, you're going to be seeing and hearing from 13 regularly, and we could not be happier, truly, uh, to be working with them. I've actually been fishing a ton of their stuff since last summer, um, and a lot of people have asked me about it, and I've told them all it has been kicking some serious ass. Yeah, likewise. It's good stuff. Likewise, yeah. I've had I've, I've been doing the same, and it's, it's performed really, really well. Yep, yep. But the uh, Cash-Danzig debate actually reminds me of something you brought up a few episodes ago, um, in the end of the line, you did about the Pistol Pete. You talked about how how fly fishing went from being something that, that many anglers did because it was the most effective way to fish small lures to mm -hmm. a kind of like countercultural rebellious statement in the 70s and 80s to an elitist status symbol in the 90s and 2000s. And that got me thinking about fishing sort of like more broadly. What, what does identifying as an angler mean 
in 2021? Like, what are the cultural stereotypes about fishing these days? I don't know. I don't know how to answer yeah. that. I feel like, I feel like on a gut level, I feel like fishing is getting younger and in some ways cooler mm-hmm. than when we were mm-hmm. kids, you know, but it's yeah. like, I, I don't have anything to back that up. It's, it's, it's pretty much anecdotal. Like high school and college bass fishing clubs and, and tournaments seem to be everywhere in the True. last few years and, and growing really fast. And then, and then you got all the, sh- the short films with lots of dubstep drops that have made <laughs> fishing seem more exciting than, uh, than the days yeah. when it was just like, oh, I go out and get sunburned with grandpa and watch a bobber. Like <laughs> the representations I see of it make, are, are definitely trying to make it cooler, but that might just be me projecting and, and right. feeling hopeful, right? Because you, right. you really, I hadn't thought about this till right now, but you really don't see fishing in mainstream media. Like, mm. you know, we, we've talked about it in other places in our company, how, how hunting is portrayed in mainstream media, but I, I'm struggling to come up with examples of, of, of fishing, Right. And that's mm-hmm. usually how I gauge social attitudes by anything. Like how, how, how does it look in a major movie or, or, or on a TV show? And I can't think of like, has there been a major movie about fishing since grumpy old men? Has that even happened? Oh, several 1997's gone fishing with Joe oh. Pesci and Danny Glover. Okay. Movies. People <laughs> actually, did you, have you watched that movie? No, nor did I see 2008's bait shop <laughs> with that redneck comic dude. Look at, here's your sign. And Miley Cyrus's dad. <laughs> Okay, you're making my point, though. I haven't seen those either, so those don't count. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. You're right. And how particular activities are represented in movies or on TV shows is sort of like the ultimate like litmus test of uh, how our society views those activities and the people who partake in them. So fishing's absence, I guess, from the greater media landscape is telling. I mean, at least I think. I'm, I'm not totally sure what that's saying, you know? I don't know either. I don't know either. I think, like... You could look at it as a positive thing, right? You could say that the fact that you don't see fishing splashed around mainstream media is is good because yeah. we get to self-define, at least to mm-hmm. some extent, right? Instead of mm-hmm. being pigeonholed as like the redneck thing or the elitist thing or the counterculture thing, I don't know, we're, we're figuring it, we get to figure out what that is for ourselves as right. our own culture. I, I don't know. It's, a, it's an interesting question. And I, I think it leads me to wonder, because I, I, I genuinely don't know what is what is the broader cultural attitude about fishing and, and, and anglers right now? And I feel like yeah. I, I'm too close to it to answer it, right? I Yeah. I, I just know such a broad spectrum of people who identify as anglers. And, for example, one one good example would be our friend River Horse. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he defies – he kind of defies simple classification. Um, but, I, dude, I've said for a long time now, I really hope he gets his own TV show one oh, day. Oh, me too. Me too. Can you He's, imagine? Mm. <laughs> I can. I can't imagine. <laughs> it'd be like, uh, it would be like a, a much more serious version of fishing with John, which I would love to see. <laughs> but if that does ever happen, he'll probably get to, you know, too big to hang out with us. So we better, probably. we better enjoy our time with River Horse while we can and, uh, and get ourselves some sagely wisdom about long hair, fishing rods and international travel. Hey, now. This is River Horse coming to you with some sagely wisdom. You remember the days when the passport was in your hand and you were heading out of the country to stick them? Well, me too. This is a little story called Strange Customs. And don't you worry, those days will be back soon. Legs are spread for the umpteenth time. 
There is nothing better to dim the post-coital afterglow of a road trip than an airport cop song and dance. Random? My ass. This is a shakedown. That's all there is to it. I'd warn the guys not to stand anywhere near me because it happens every time. They had already made it through and were watching in the wings, laughing their asses off. Maybe it was the woo-hoo I held when the U.S. Customs agent swept his hands through my netherworld. His cheeks turned a light crimson, and then he got pissed. Not funny? It was to me. For some reason, airport cops love fly rods and surfboards. Having hair from my trucker cap to my tailbone is the kicker. It gives permission for individual screenings, pat-downs, rub-downs, and plenty of questions. In an airport these days, long hair is the gift that keeps on giving. When you call an airport cop on the carpet for yet another game of cat and very innocent mouse, they turn downright sheepish. In El Salvador... There is a traffic light security device that you must attempt to pass through. Green means go fish. Red, forget it. Strip search. I've attempted to get through that damn light eight times and got red every time. Eight for eight. I see your feet stepping on the switch that triggers the light, I told the airport cop in Spanish. He looked away fast with a grin on his face. And now, here in the Caribbean, the security agent looks down the barrel of every single one of my eight weights. He takes the rods out, shakes the tube. I see the ever-sparkling shimmer and shine of the Caribbean sunlight streaming through the windows. I hold my arms wide for another pat-down. Oh, shit. He finds the secret stash in the breast pocket of my coat. He's got me. A peanut butter and strawberry jam sandwich. The backpack has been ransacked and rifled through. I've been asked my mother's maiden name, the city in which I was born. Even the reels have a few feet of line stripped out before they are placed back in the gray bin, let alone the long discussion about what is a river horse. Oh, I'm not worried about it. I have nothing to hide. I've always run clean and wild my entire life, never wanting to dim the light. If you can't find yourself higher than a kite from simply being on the water, then you are beyond lost. By the time I catch up to the rest of the guys, they already have a beer waiting on the counter for me. It tastes delicious. It tastes like freedom. I hope you enjoyed our little sagely wisdom story today. And remember, I know times are a little funky right now, but this world needs us to take care of each other. Be there for each other. There are wonderful days ahead. And we all know that fly fishermen and women, and especially tree-hugger, hippie, Cherokee, Viking Texans, never get profiled at the airport. Nah.
So, dude, did you read his article, The Darkest Web? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one about the, oh. the, the illegal fishing scene in the Gulf yeah. of Mexico where he, like, straps on a Kevlar vest and embeds yeah. himself with the Texas game wardens trying to chase down the, the illegal commercial fishermen. I, I, the I devoured that article, man. Yeah, it, it was it was truly one of the best pieces of fish journalism I've read in a long time. It's 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 kind of depressing, oh. right? But it's it's just so well-written and just so engaging. Such an awesome piece. The, oh, the 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 scene with the the shark fins. Yeah. Anyway, you got to read it. You got to read it. Yeah. It's free. Google the darkest web river horse. You'll find it. It's worth ten minutes of your time, especially if you like river horses style, which we do. He's unapologetically freaky, and he's proud of it. Yeah, he is. And and judging by some of the submissions we get, so are uh, many of you. So we're gonna <laughs> highlight true. one particular individual who lets his freak flag fly high. In this week's Awkward Moment in Angling, this is the part of the show where we break down fishing photos sent in by you listeners, because really, other than like Christmas cards or, or senior pictures, what genre of photography is more ripe for ridicule than fish pics? Why don't you take a picture of the life longer? I don't think I've ever found myself wondering what a fish fly freak might look like or even <laughs> contemplating that such a creature might exist. But once listener Andrew Potorsky sent us an email titled Lake St. Clair fish fly freak award photo, I, I became immediately curious. Like what's, what's a fish fly? How exactly does it get freaky? I, I don't know. I can answer the first part of the question because in Michigan, uh, fish fly is a common name for hexagenia mayflies, the hex, uh, which are, okay, you know the hex, which I are large, like. yeah, which are large insects that emerge from the lakes and rivers of the upper Midwest every summer, sometimes in just insanely massive numbers. And the swarms, they're sometimes so huge that they show up on, on weather radar, like a snowstorm, so <laughs> thick that they can cover streets and cause traffic to slide off the road. Yeah. Okay. Now, now I know what we're talking about. So like for... For fish and anglers, both the hex are they're, they're kind of a big deal. Very much. They're yes. they're, they're these inch long <laughs> bugs that live most of their lives burrowed in the substrate of lakes, ponds, and slow moving rivers. Where when they're when they're down in there, they're they're pretty safe from predators. But when the conditions get just right, all the bugs at the same time swim to the surface right around dusk. They sprout wings. They hatch out of the water. They mate mid air in these massive swarms, and then uh, lay their eggs back in the water and die. And that whole mm -hmm. process takes less than two days. And during that window, birds and dragonflies and especially fish feast on all that easily available protein. Yeah. Hence the reason people call them fish flies in certain areas. Because, Got it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And, and I actually was once told um, it was it was Lake Walleye guys in Michigan or maybe Wisconsin. I don't know. But they coined <laughs> that term fish flies. Because they'd be like, we ain't catching any walleyes right now because of them damn fish flies. Like, they didn't know what yeah. a hexagenia was, you know? Um, and the whole thing is a nighttime game because, uh, like you said, these bugs are nocturnal. So that's when the fish eat them. And then what happens is, theoretically, they eat them all night long so they're full the next day and don't eat anything. So the walleye right. guys get up and can't catch a walleye because they're full. And the uh, hex hatch is one of the best times of year to get a crack at a really huge brown. Right on a dry mm -hmm. fly, the, the kind of fish yep. that are usually hidden and really wary. It's kind of why it's such a big deal in Michigan because you have those tight streams with all that deadfall. Those fish are tucked in throughout the day, um, yeah. but they'll they'll come out and and feed aggressively when those bugs emerge. 
And they're, they're best known to trout fishermen, but just about every fish will eat them, including panfish, like I said, walleye. Um, and bass. So that answers the first part of the question. We know what a fish fly is now, but to answer the second part, <laughs> what's a what is a fish fly freak? Which I have a hard time saying. Fish fly. Freak. It <laughs> it's, just, it's, it does, it's a tongue twister. It doesn't yeah. roll right off the tongue. Uh, but to answer that, we got to go to the photo. Right. And now I'm going to start by by setting the scene. It's nighttime, and the freak in question is standing in front of a railing with a body of water in the background. He's well lit from above. And all that seems to indicate that he's standing under a large floodlight and dock fishing. Mm-hmm. And and it seems he's having at least a little success, right? He's holding a, yep. a very average large mouth in the standard large mouth lip grip. But I can't really tell. I can't really tell how he's feeling about the catch or anything else because his his face is completely obscured. Yes, and by obscured you mean covered completely, top to bottom, by fish flies. Right and in this photo, like. Andrew has no eyes, no mouth, no no. It is something out of a horror movie, and <laughs> it's true. The the Mothman prophecies comes to mind, even though I don't know if there's actually a scene like that. It just it's just what pops in there. Anyway, there's just one little slice of cheek showing, but that's about it. The rest is almost entirely hex mayflies. In fact, just about every exposed surface in the photo is covered in bugs, except the fish itself, which is strangely clean. Yeah. I, don't, I don't quite get that. Um, but even the, the the background is just a blur of flying insects. The only physical attribute of Andrew that we can really make out is his beard, which is truly, it's impressive. It It is. It's, it's some impressive beard. facial hair. Um, it appears to at, at, at least be a foot long and, and, and Amazonian jungle thick uh, in this particular <laughs> image, however, right? It also seems uh, to have become like a tangled breeding ground for these these giant bugs. <laughs> Making sweet love in his beard, I think. <laughs> they really, they're just all over it. <laughs> the photo alone, just the photo by itself is fantastic, yeah. right? And and we're not even making fun of it. It's just a it's just a great photo. But I think I think the backstory that Andrew sent us in an email just gives the whole thing another layer that I appreciate. Totally, he wrote a hex hatch like this up in northern Michigan is what dreams are made of when you're going after trout, but fishing for warm water species with conventional gear during a hatch like this on Lake St. Clair can be a nightmare because the fish aren't hungry. At that time in my life, the only time I could get together with buddies to fish was during the evening, which happens to be when the fish flies, what we call these mayflies in this area, hatch and become incredibly dense. Anyway, it's extremely tough to catch anything during a crazy hatch like this on the lake, but I noticed a weird pocket of fish fly carcasses that collected under a particular light post. Bass and bluegill would occasionally rise to engulf mouthfuls of the spinners, and so I ended up tossing an unweighted single-tail grub, green pumpkin zoom fat Albert, <laughs> into that pile and caught this small largie. Andrew also noted that uh, that he does like to fly fish, and he does target trout, which really just dials up the irony of this yeah. particular photo. Yeah, I was going to say, once you, once you get that context... I think the picture goes from just being odd to legitimately being funny because there's there's poor dude in the middle of one of the most famous hatches in fishing, one that's known for bringing giant and elusive browns to hand, and he's holding a dinker bass and fishing with a, a green pumpkin soft plastic. The only thing the only thing that would make it funnier and more ironic is if he had like a push button reel, like a push button outfit, and that's what he was yep. using. Um, so, I, I mean, even though I can't see his face, I can imagine it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yep, yep, I've got a pretty good idea of what might be going on behind all those bugs and beard. Uh, 
And if you out there want to see what a fish fly freak actually looks like, check out Joe and my Instagram pages at Joe Cermelli 138 and at Water Miles. Yeah, and if you have an awkward fishing photo you think is worthy of getting picked apart on this show, send it, please, to bent at com. I've never actually experienced a hex hatch in my life. Yeah, yeah, I hate to say it, but but me either, man. I, no? like I've in, I've interviewed. No, I haven't. I've I've mouse fished in hex territory yeah. later in the summer. Yeah, but I've never been there, uh, like up in Michigan or anything for for the hex. And I've interviewed tons of guides about it. I've I've written articles based on their info, but I've never actually gotten there myself. And I love I love night fishing. You think I would? No, yeah. I haven't fixed. Yeah, it no. seems like something you would go do. I, I so having never done it, I assume that it's like the salmon fly hatch out here. Meaning it's cool, but it's it's also overrated. And, and right. to, to, by that I mean it's there's so much hype, right? Yeah. That, that there's no way that it can ever live up to the expectations. A good example. You just said you've written about it. You've interviewed people about it. You've talked and talked and talked and talked about it. All these marquee hatches get all that attention. And yeah. And so when people think they're going to go do it, they expect it to be the greatest experience, like this transcendent fishing experience. And yeah, there are lots of giant bugs and yeah, just about everything eats them. But like Andrew explained in his email, there's so much food available in the middle of those events that a lot of times the fish are just gorged and they're full and they're not that easy to catch. So you get the hatch, but you don't necessarily catch the fish. Yeah. And like you really hit the nail on the head there. It's it's I'd love to fish a hex hatch, right? But it's it's not like like an insane bucket list item for me. Like I look at it like no. if I get there someday, I get there and that would be cool. Um, but I, you, you make a good point. I, I feel the same way when you when you interview people for these stories, you're hearing about it like in its most glorious form. And and then if you, like I know people who have gone to fish the hex hatch, and they catch one trout in four nights of doing it. You know, it's the same thing with like the Cape Cod Canal. Come up here and crush them. But I know a lot of people who make that drive and catch two. Yeah. So I, I'd love to, um, but I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it is overrated. I'll tell you what's not overrated though. Fish news. Fish news. That escalated quickly. All right. So no particular direct shout outs uh, from me this week, although I do hope you guys enjoyed the second installment of B-Side Fishing this week, a little pickerel fishing in the- Snot uh, rockets. Snot, yeah, down in the South Jersey Pine Barrens, which I think the bigger message of that one was proving, um, as I said in the video, it, as a matter of fact, there is not an Olive Garden or Pizzeria Uno on every piece of open land in the state of New Jersey. I, th- I thought the takeaway was was don't, don't show your friend your spots because they're gonna they're gonna outfish you. <laughs> I, I, I missed the point. I, I, the I point. did get crushed, but look, I'm about keeping it real, and I yeah. just I did not fake it. I got I got my ass handed to me on the fish front, uh, but I hope <laughs> you guys enjoyed that one. Now we we actually we made some we pickled pickerel in that episode, which I got to tell you was delicious. That was new to me, and I thought it was terrific, uh, which is sort of a play on episode one. Um, we where we made ceviche and just browsing through through comments on the first episode, most of which were were great and very positive. There was one dude though who just hammered me for my ceviche and was like, "Don't you even dare come at me with fruit, watermelon, and ceviche." <laughs> and he's talking about beef bouillon cubes or some weird shit. So I'll look it up. I'll try it your way. You didn't have to be so rude about it. 
but apparently I don't know ceviche. I mean, so. I look, I've never <laughs> I've had fruit in my ceviche before, but I've never had watermelon. So I but I'm not saying it won't work. I don't know. You're already was, putting <laughs> you're putting citrus juice in there. You can't tell me there's no fruit in ceviche when like one of the main ingredients is citrus juice. Exactly. So Exactly, know. exactly. And and there was also a dude who commented, he was like, can anyone confirm that watermelon is good in ceviche? And I got in there and I was like, well, I can confirm it, but I guess I don't really count. So Do, do I count? Tr- <laughs> trust me, trust me. Uh, keep watching the B-sides, keep watching the B-sides. They all, they're all that good, I'm telling you. Um, and for those of you who have not done so already, go sign up for the new fishing newsletter. That we got. Yes, please. Joe's yes, Joe's please. putting together. Joe's actually like putting a lot of time and effort into this, guys. He's writing you writing you a personal letter every you. single week. Yeah. And and it's good stuff. So check that out. Go to themediator.com backslash fish and sign up for that. And then it just then you just get a letter from Joe every Tuesday in your inbox. It's it's magical. Okay, so I think that's all the housekeeping, which brings yep. us to the reason why we're here doing some fish news. As a reminder, this is a competition. Joe and I do not know what stories the other one is bringing to the table. And we are competing for the affection, the respect, the love, dare I say, of our uh, our brilliant and successful engineer, Phil, who will, at the end of this, determine who is the winner and who is going to cry just like Joe did at the end of that Pickerel episode. This uh, <laughs> this week, Joe gets to start it off. And, uh, and so I will cede the floor to you, sir. Well, yeah, so maybe this is some future B-side fodder. I don't know. Uh, for a lot of you, this won't be news, and I know this because you're DMing me incessantly about it. Uh, but in case you live near me in the southeastern Pennsylvania region and are not aware, we're having a Brood X cicada hatch this year, per science. Even science I have heard about this. tells us it will be so. Exactly. And uh, right now, there are dozens, maybe hundreds of you, tugging at your Brood X t-shirt, just going, Brood X! Brood X! Brood X! <laughs> So you might have also noticed that like on Insta and YouTube right now, all the tires are are carving foam and stacking hair in preparation of this event. And so we're clear, I'm not I'm not making fun of the hatch because I'm I'm told it's it's something to behold. I've never experienced it personally. I just love the anticipation and the name Brood X I find so perfectly like bro bra, even though they aren't the people that named it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um it sounds like kind of like an energy drink. Anyway, uh, it's a fascinating deal, though, and there was a, a big story about it on the website of CBS Pittsburgh. And this is from the story, the bugs have been lurking beneath the surface since 2004, feeding on sap from the roots of plants, according to Michael J. Ropp, emeritus professor of entomology at the University of Maryland. Once they're mature, the big brood will emerge in 15 states where they'll spend two to four weeks in late May and early June courting, mating, flying, driving people crazy, being eaten by everything, including humans like Rob. So apparently this dude actually eats, he eats the cicadas as much as the fish. So these things have been underground here since 2004, and they only hatch once every 17 years. And like I said, well, I've never experienced it. I've seen plenty of video and it's nuts, particularly if you like to fly fish for carp. I'm sure you've seen some of those videos kicking around. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because they, I mean, they get stupid on them. And even though a, a carp might pass up a lone bug at a, at a different time of year, they get so keyed into this insane amount of protein on the surface, they go ballistic. And what I think is cool about this hatch is that it's it's not really trout centric, you know what I mean? Like, sure, you mm-hmm. can catch a big old wild brown during the brood X hatch, but this is like the the bass fly guys hatch. And yeah. it's essentially, it's like a popper hatch. 
You know, like the trout dudes are always trying to go dainty to match olives and all this stuff. And like you want a cicada fly to splat and then you can literally chug it across the surface. Still water, moving water doesn't matter. And that's just badass. So um, it's like the ultimate terrestrial hatch. And they interviewed uh, George Daniel in the piece. I don't know if you know George at all or know of George Daniel. Nope. Uh, but he's an East Coast guy, great guy, written a lot of books, very knowledgeable angler. And he had some interesting stuff to say about this hatch. And as I, I mentioned, whenever Brood X pops up anywhere in the country, you see people pimping these incredibly elaborate patterns, beautifully carved and stacked foam. It's all like epoxyed over and shiny with mesh wings and big bug eyes and spun hair in the works. And George is basically like, yeah, but when it's on, like you're going to lose a lot of bugs and break off big carp and stuff. So be practical. And they link to a video that he put together uh, where he recommends three patterns, one of which is just a chubby Chernobyl, like no big deal, just practical chubby Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. And then one is just this, an, uh, essentially a larger uh, version of a very simple foam beetle. And the last one plays off that, and he actually puts um, some lead wraps on the shank because he says often a cicada riding just under the surface gets bit faster, especially in the peak of the hatch when you have lots of people out there slapping down these big bugs. So I thought that was just a very practical approach. Like it's sort of like I know we try to get all artistic with these crazy cicada bugs, but, you know, he, he makes a good point. You're hooking a lot of big fish, tie simple bugs. And I'm excited about this too. However, I, I think the one aspect people don't consider is that like with, with many hatches, this is often like a drop everything and go deal. You know what I mean? Like the mm-hmm. best case scenario is that you live a stone's throw from from good carpy or bassy water and can just haul ass to get there. Um, because even in the story, they note that it takes time because it's 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 not really on until they're mating and, and dying and it can be gonzo for weeks or days. You just don't know. But um, – like many hatches, it's just really hard to nail. Uh, they can't just be in the trees. Like you'll hear them in the trees. You know that's a good sign, but they they got to be in the water. So you got to hit it just right. And I hope all of you that want that action get it. I'd love to, I'd love to say I'm going to make an effort, but with my schedule, like it'll be July in 10 minutes and I'll never have gotten there. Or I'll get the call that it's on right now this minute, um, which likely will not do me any good. But, you know, a boy can dream. So good luck, everybody. Brood X. In the Eastern PA region. <laughs> this fits because we were just talking about this literally in the last segment when we were talking about the the hex hatch. Yep. With with yep. the the awkward moments that we just did. And I like I just said, I am skeptical of these super hyped hatches. And I think yeah. this fits into that, you know, like oh. people are talking about it a lot. So it could be great. And if you happen to be there on the days that it's great, I'm sure it's a ton of fun. But the idea of chasing a hatch to me, I, 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 my, my advice to everybody out there is don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's what people have in their heads. This is so hyped in the news and fishermen are talking about it and the tires are talking about it that it, it, it's like for a month straight, every day, all the water is just going to be blanketed with these things and the fish are going to be going absolutely ballistic. And I don't think that's the way it goes down. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think there's a couple windows within the span of when they're going. And if you're there, you're there. And if you've got cicada flies, good for you. But, you know, you, you, you probably need to have a lot of time to devote to get out there to do it. What I want to know, and here's what I hope you'll find out for me. Is this the one and only time when the rebel crick hopper will actually catch a fish? <laughs> <laughs> that was so well played. That was so well played. 
I, I do. Tried. I do. I have know. tried and tried. I want to believe. I've done the diving model. I've done the popper model. It has just never been. Now somebody never. Is, like they are. They are drafting the pissed off email right now. But Whatever. I am Be pissed off you. at me. I've never seen one so- catch a fish <laughs> ever. Somebody must catch something with them. They've been making them for 40 years or whatever it's yes, been. I guess they do. I don't know. But but know. probably. That would actually probably be a good – you know what? I don't have time to tie cicada flies. I will throw one crick hopper popper in my fly box and send it on a seven weight if I just happen to be there. Guaranteed Please do. it's smoked. Yeah, Please do because I, I would love to see that happen. Um, <laughs> I'm going to move from, from big bugs to big fish uh, with mm. this story. On April 14th. Captain Justin Drummond and angler Troy Lancaster, along with uh, a whole crew, broke the Texas state bluefin tuna record with a fish Ooh. that was officially weighed at 876 pounds. Oh, that's a big one. That's yep. a big one. Uh, the, the 64-foot qualified, which is the name of the boat, left Port Aransas with uh, basically just going out on, on an offshore trip. They had, a, they had a window of good weather for a couple days. So they wanted to go way offshore and and target. I mean, really, it was a group of guys who've done this trip together a lot of years running, and they right. usually get into marlin, and they get into yellowfin, and there's a chance at bluefin. But it wasn't like they were out there like, I'm going for a giant bluefin. That wasn't sure. the goal. They were just going offshore because they had a weather window, and, and they figured it'd be good. But the bluefin do show up in the Gulf every spring. They're there. Yep. And and so they these guys went out. They went on a on a Big run, uh, went all the way out to the the open ocean rigs. The the qualified ran, I think, 150 miles. That makes sense. I was going to say, because I know they're in the Gulf, but you hear about them more out of western Florida and Louisiana. Like, you don't hear much about Texas boats running into them. So, well, them boys, them boys dropped the on. throttle and went for it. <laughs> they did. They did. They went a long ways out. And I guess, I guess they actually stopped somewhere along the line at a drop earlier, didn't get anything, kept going through the night. Uh, got out about 150 miles, set up, got going before dawn, and and it was kind of on. Like as soon as they started fishing, mm-hmm. they 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 caught some skipjack for bait, and like right off the bat, just got into big bites. Uh, they had three big bites right off the bat. They broke off one blue marlin that they saw jump right behind the boat. The, mm-hmm. They estimated about 500 pounds, and then just after 9 a.m., they had another blow up, and they didn't see it, but this thing just dug. And they knew it was something something big. Can I ask, are they trolling these, like trolling live skipjack? Is that what they're yeah. doing? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. That's and, and that okay. that turned out to be a massive tuna. Now, when it comes to fighting tuna, Hemingway, Hemingway once wrote about tuna fishing for the, the Toronto Star Weekly. And this is a quote. Hemingway said, it is a back sickening, sinew straining, man-sized job, even with a rod that looks like a hoe handle. But... <laughs> If you land a big tuna after a six-hour fight, fight him man against fish until your muscles are nauseated with the unceasing strain, and finally bring him up alongside the boat, blue-green and silver in the lazy ocean, you will be purified, and you will be able to enter, unabashed, into the presence of the very elder gods, and they will make you welcome. Now, if that doesn't describe... Say what you will about Hemingway, my friend, but if that's not like a passage about fighting a big tuna, 
maybe the best one ever written. I don't know what is. I I have caught a lot of bluefin, and I've never felt quite that way. That was beautiful. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I'm tired. Get me a beer, Jason. Jason, get me a beer. <laughs> and and in the wake of that, I, I don't. I'm not totally sure what level of enlightenment Troy Lancaster, the the angler, achieved after fighting his record fish. But his fight did not go on for six hours. It went on for nine hours. Mm. Mm, and yeah. just after 6 p.m., the crew had the fish landed and, and began the long run back to Port A, where the Waymaster was waiting when they arrived well after midnight. Now, breaking the Texas bluefin record seems to be a trend, because last okay. April, a crew out of Galveston landed an 820-pounder, which would have beaten the 808-pound record set in 1985, had it been weighed on a certified scale. Unfortunately, there's some some issues with that one last year, and it, it was thrown out. This most recent catch, however, will stand, beating the previous mark by nearly 70 pounds. And that's it's a remarkable fish. It's a, it's a great fish. Oh. But breaking the state record two years running strikes me as even more newsworthy than the fish itself because it, it, it hints at a broader story around this fishery and these fish. Mm-hmm. Atlantic bluefin have been the poster child for overfishing for like my whole life. Yeah. Right. They're massive, right? So they're, 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 they're huge size and, and the dramatic population decline that we witnessed combined with the astronomical and kind of ridiculous price that prime bluefin can fetch at auction has made them this, this obvious focal point, this sort of media frenzy in discussions about overfishing. Yeah. That's sort of what they've become. If you're going to talk about overfishing, you think of Atlantic bluefin. And there's a reason for that. In the 70s and the 80s, Atlantic bluefin stocks dropped by an estimated 80%. And so in the 90s, two organizations with just ridiculously long names, the North American Oceanic and Atmospheric Association and the International Commission for the Conservation of Atlantic Tunas teamed up to oversee one of the most comprehensive fisheries management strategies on the planet. It included a variety of standard tools like seasonal closures and uh, strict retention limits, but also came up with some unique strategies like the individual bluefin tuna quota program, which created economic incentives for commercial fishermen to minimize bluefin bycatch. NOAA also enacted uh, long-line gear restrictions in the Gulf of Mexico that curtailed bluefin bycatch by 70%. Now, all that effort actually paid off. Bluefin stocks increased every year from 2004 to 2017. That year, ICAT released a a report recommending an increase in Western Atlantic bluefin harvest quotas. In 2019, the total bluefin biomass for this population had increased by 60% from its lowest point, and NOAA released a statement declaring that U.S. caught Atlantic bluefin tuna was now a sustainable food choice. Mm Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in the wake of the increased quotas and relaxed regulations over the past three years, those stock numbers look like they might be starting to dip again. One study estimates that Atlantic bluefin stocks have fallen by nearly 30% since 2017. All this is to say that bluefin aren't like the third rail, totally unsustainable fishery that they once were. They're actually a, a, a positive recovery story, despite what most people know. But like, it's still tenuous. And, sure. and their future is, is, is uncertain. Now, Western Atlantic bluefin migrate from the Gulf of Mexico all the way up past you, up mm-hmm. the eastern seaboard to Canada. 
Mm-hmm. So the, the big fish that are kind of famous around Newfoundland are the exact same ones caught off the coast of Texas. Yep. Bluefin spawn in the Gulf and then head north to chow on herring and mackerel and all the other food fish you guys have out there. The fact that the Texas record has been broken two years in a row strikes me as a testament to the success of decades of recovery efforts, regardless of where we are right now. These big spawning size fish take decades to grow. So the one that Lancaster caught was allowed to reach that size in large part due to intense and impressive bluefin management. The recreational harvest quota in the Gulf is is just a few thousand pounds every year. So once four or five big fish get caught, the whole season just shuts down from Florida all the way to Texas. Yep. Yep. It's like, it's like a rolling target. Yeah. Yep. According to an interview that Troy Lancaster did, the, the angler did with, with our own buddy, uh, Sam Lundgren, Lancaster didn't have a choice about whether or not he should harvest that particular fish. During the fight, it got tail wrapped, mm-hmm. right? Like the tail wrapped up in the line and tuna can't breathe unless they're swimming forward. So once it got tangled, it suffocated. And unlike other kinds, some other kinds of fish, anyway, tuna aren't buoyant. So for the last two hours of that fight, Lancaster was just lifting dead weight from a thousand <laughs> feet down. Like yeah. I, I heard the story on this. They would, they would have to, they'd had the, the drag on that reel maxed out at 50 pounds and they'd run the boat forward to lift the fish up a little mm-hmm. and then back down on it as fast as they could and like crank in a little bit of line yep. and then run forward and then back down on it. It sounded just brutal. Awful. That's brutal. Yeah. yeah. Just that's awful. That's almost worse than fighting it <laughs> the right way, right way forward. Totally way worse. <laughs> And then nine hour, like seven hour normal fight, two hours of lifting dead weight. They finally get it to the transom. It took another hour and a half to actually drag the thing on board. Uh, quote from Lancaster here. We had seven guys on board and one of them wasn't worth the shit. And that was me. <laughs> <laughs> Cause the dude had just been fighting this fish for nine hours. Uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I, dude, I got, I'm, I'm always really fascinated by big blue fin caught in the golf it's one of those things that like that fish is so, uh, you know, so synonymous with the Northeast that you forget that that is where they end up. And they have the, the, the Southern guys have a chance at these giant blue fins. They also have gigantic Mako sharks in the Gulf and Mako yep. is such like a Northeast fishery too. But those dudes down there have them way bigger. So it's, I, I'm, I always think this is, this is incredibly cool, but they're actually other fisheries along that route, like one of the real famous ones that I think actually also goes back to Hemingway days, they used to have a huge tournament in Bimini when those fish mm-hmm. were passing through. Yep. And like the game was you wanted it to be like shit nasty rough and they would like spot them coming through the crests of the swells and like feed them a ballyhoo in the waves. And that went on for decades. And that that doesn't – I don't think that really happens anymore or – you can't target them because they're not in season now when it's happening. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, Bluefin was a great success. Now they could be in trouble again. There's also, um, I, I believe they found out that there was mixing of the Eastern and Western Atlantic stocks. Yep. So for years they thought, well, let the let the Italians or whoever take as many as they want. It's not affecting our fish. Actually, that was wrong. There's proof that there's <laughs> some, some mixing of the species. You know, they're over there with the gabagool and the tunas. Um, but it's tough, man. I love bluefin fishing and I don't believe it's, it's been changed or altered again, but for, for this year right now, it's like, it's one fish per boat in Jersey. 
And yep. I think it has to be at least 28 inches, 28 to 44, 47. I, I don't quote me on that, but it, it's irrelevant because they've been pretty abundant the last few seasons, the smaller size fish, the popping size fish. But I mean, you think about it from a chartering perspective, you know, you got a $2,000 tuna charter, you're breaking up with your boys, not a whole lot of incentive to throw that kind of money out to go out and bring one, like, what What do you do then when you catch the 28-incher on the first pass? It's like, and we're done. a bigger one, or do you keep that one? So I, I want to see those fish thrive because I love chasing them, but I got to be honest, man, like, I am, you know me, I'm not a meat fisherman, but I am a glutton for tuna. Like, when I make the effort to go tuna fishing, I want all the tuna. I want my three yellowfin. I want them all because I don't know when I'm going to get there again. So it's it's tough, man. And when you when you do catch and release tuna, they fight themselves to death. You know what I mean? Yep. Like they exhaust themselves. So um, you got to put some faith in science. You want these fish to be around, but from a recreational perspective, those regs right now, it, it makes you kind of question burning that kind of fuel to go out there and catch one. You know, they're so pretty tight. We'll and, and I understand the questioning, but if you look at the numbers, the recreational fishery, I think I read is worth something like. Oh, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Many millions of dollars is mm-hmm. what I'm going to say because I read this earlier and I've read too many things. But the despite the fact of what you say that you don't know if you're, it's worth it or not, a lot of people think it is enough that they're willing to spend the money even with the the what some would call draconian uh, regulations on fishing them these last few days. Oh, decades. yeah, dude. I, I, I say that because I'm lucky enough to have enough people where it's a gas money trip. But I mean, you think about the guys who, you know, for a lot of people, they don't have that access. They're booking their big trip every year. Um, I, Dude, I've been there not because of the regs, just because it was a slow day. And you got five dudes on board and you got one 35-inch bluefin. It's like, well, I'll take the the tail, I guess. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's, there's not good divvying. The divvying is very depressing. You know what I'm saying? It's very depressing divvying. So five guys fighting over the belly. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. 
It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. So a lot of a lot of that bluefin, the big ones. I don't really know where it goes. I guess there's fancy enough sushi places that buy some of it in the states. I don't have enough money to eat at them, but you might find one at a casino, which is going to lead into my next story. Hmm. Okay. So not super fishing related uh, per se, but I found this interesting nonetheless. And the main message of this story uh, is that everything is smart now and just keeps getting smarter. And we're talking about things. Um, that in many cases probably didn't even really need to be smart. Like as an example, they are smart fishing rods now that connect to your phone and tell you the weather and how many times you've casted and so on. And many of you guys probably have smart smokers and crock pots and so on and so forth. Um, and this is posing a growing problem in the world of cybersecurity because it wasn't that long ago that all this sector really had to focus on were IT assets like servers and workstations. Now, of course, we have to worry about cybersecurity on our phones and laptops. But the reality is, if it connects to the internet, even if it's just your smart bobber or your smart gaff or whatever, it it can potentially be hacked into and used to get into your larger system, like your your larger files. Um, and this is exactly what happened at a North American casino not long ago. Now, the article on the website entrepreneur.com that I found does not name the casino, uh, but this casino featured huge fish tanks on the casino floor. And of course, nobody wants to you know, sit there and yank on a slot machine and look at dead fish because that's a buzzkill. Uh, so every aspect of these tanks are, were made smart so they could be monitored by the casino's network from behind the scenes. And hackers ended up getting a hold of the casino's database of high rollers by breaking into the system through the fish tank's thermometers. What? Yes, right? So the weak point in the system that they could hack into and then, and then, and then get what they needed, they hacked into the smart thermometers in the casino's gigantic fish tanks. And every and whenever I hear anything about someone trying to get get one over on a casino, for whatever reason, what comes to mind is Funny Farm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Chevy Chase's terrible. I remember that novel. movie, but I don't, I don't remember the 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 scene you're you talking about. You don't remember the scene where his he makes the wife read the novel and then he ends up burning it. Yeah, four poker buddies knocking over a casino. <laughs> the perfect crime. <laughs> anyway. From the story, per Nicole Egan, who is um, from the security firm Darktrace, the attackers used a fish tank thermometer to get a foothold in the network. They then found the high roller database and then pulled that information out of the mainframe back into the thermostat in the tank and then from the thermostat uploaded it to their cloud. 
So I did a little background digging and the, the breach actually, this is a new article, but the breach happened last summer and the hackers were able to pull 10 gigs of data through the fish tank thermostat to a device in Finland. One of the reports that came out around uh, the time of the breach said some pretty scary shit. Uh, and one area that is, is uh, super smart these days is kids' toys. And the FBI has actually warned parents that like a smart teddy bear that reads stories or like your Fisher-Price tablet connected to your Wi-Fi could potentially be used to help hackers like learn the names and locations of your kids. So everything becoming smart God, has terrible. drawbacks. It's awful. But, it, but it's also important to note that like the cybersecurity sector is working very hard to keep up with that. So like this fish tank incident – helps them stop that like from ever happening again. So that industry is adapting as things are being made smarter and smarter. Um, but I mean, I know there are hundreds of you listening that have that smart rod. So bear in mind, like <laughs> those could be hacked and someone could learn that the last 400 pictures you put on Instagram were all taken at the same spillway and you will be <laughs> outed. So keep that in mind. But that's how they got in the fish tank. Weird story. Uh, <laughs> how am I supposed to transition out of that into anything <laughs> i don't know you you I, I if nothing else I mean, it's, i'm screwing up I your transition was, game phil yeah. counts the transitions he, he counts does the transitions, and i think so. i think this is just a ploy you're like i don't have a good story but uh <laughs> i'm gonna screw him over so we get you know what i don't have a good story either so i'm gonna move from <laughs> your stupid story that has nothing to do about fit with fishing to my stupid story that has slightly more to do with fishing and yeah, look, I know this is this is a cheesy story and and kind of dumb, but after reading about it and then I, I fell into this video watching hole after I found the story and I, uh -oh. I couldn't stop. It was mesmerizing. Uh, and I'm sure any listeners we have in the Madison, Wisconsin area are well aware of what I'm about to talk about because it's it's clearly clearly the local news is all over it. I don't think there's much else to talk about in in Madison right now, or at least mm. nothing positive. So they're all <laughs> covering the same thing. Uh, but but if, uh, if if you are in that area and you haven't already heard about it, you should know because you might still have time to check out some flying muskies if you hurry. Hmm. <laughs> Every spring, hmm. muskies migrate out of Lake Monona in downtown Madison and up the Winger Creek where they run into a, a three-foot-tall dam. And there, the big Esocs all congregate and mill around in the pool below the dam and then just like sockeye salmon, they throw themselves into the air and leap over the concrete impediment to reach no the warmer way. water of Lake Wingra. So it's like it's just like all those salmon videos you've I seen, was, except with say, muskies. I was going to say, Wisconsin, you don't have postcards with this on them? Like, this seems <laughs> like should. the kind of thing. Like, what are you doing? Capitalize. I got to say, no though, idea. muskies are not quite as acrobatic aerially when when not hooked as as the salmon they're not quite as, as smooth uh, little, about it a little awkward a little <laughs> awkward when there's they, there's when some they... awkward uh <laughs> some awkward failures which makes it even more endearing to me but but they do they do make it over sometimes but a lot of the times they don't and clearly this is something that people know about and they're into i'd never heard of it you hadn't heard of it it, it nope. must be a local thing and i couldn't completely tell but it seems like there's a viewing platform where people can really? just hang out. Yeah, dude. And there's no t-shirts. It wasn't reported. No t-shirts reported. But I think I think there's a gold mine opportunity for anybody, again, in that area. 
get out there and sell Somebody you some flying musky shirts. If you if there's stickers or something to this, I'll trade. We'll trade you bent stickers for like a pack <laughs> of like I uh, whatever they are. I watched the the jumping muskies of Madison. I'm so glad you feel the same way about this as I do, because all I can do is this is like a perfect springtime activity if you're not actually going to go fishing, right? Yeah. You load up the whole family and go like, let's go watch some flying musky kids, and the kids are going to be annoyed. But if you get them a hot dog and a T-shirt, they're probably into it. (laughs) So I loved everything about this. And again, I I, I spent more time than I should have when I was working uh, watching flying musky videos. And then I read further into the story and what had felt like a heartwarming family fun tale, it started to go a little south, if I'm be honest. Because it turns out, like, all those muskie are, are going over that dam so they can get to the warmer lake upstream mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. spawn. And it turns out that the contaminants in Lake Wingra prevent muskie eggs from actually hatching. And, and the DNR has no recorded evidence of natural fish recruitment in that oh, system. So they jump the dam and then can't nothing happens when they get there. Yeah, they can't dude, reproduce. They, they do all like they, they go through all that work. They swim up the Creek. They hit the dam. They, they, they fly over it and it's utterly futile. How many years has this been going on? Like, wouldn't they like, wouldn't the fish in the system, like have their genetics sorted out by now <laughs> to know that like, that's not going to work out. Well, you they're what I mean? all hatchery fish. Like there, there's oh, yeah. no natural recruitment in the system. They're all, they're all hatchery fish. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. that, yeah, that's, that, that makes the t-shirts a little sadder, but I would still, <laughs> I'd still buy them. <laughs> I'd still enjoy having one. Well, uh, I don't know. I think you got this one. I won't, I don't know for sure, but giant tuna jumping monkeys beats, uh, <laughs> cicadas, and casino heists. So you hear that Philly's just rolling over and giving it to me. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Phil surprises us sometimes though. So we're gonna hear from Phil and then we're gonna move on to covering water uh with a gentleman a lot of you probably are aware of, former dude behind Barstool Outdoors, Ben Friedman, but he's better known by another name. Although stupid stories that have nothing to do with fishing usually appeal to me. You guys called it already. Miles, you're the winner this week. (laughs) Joe, I do think, however, that your fish thermostat casino heist story could be the next exciting addition to the Oceans movie franchise. I mean, the water pun is already there, so the movie practically writes itself. And you're going to need a crew as nuts as you are. Who do you got in mind? I'm Joe Cermelli. I'm Miles Nolte. This is River Horse coming to you. This is Striper Chunk and Expert Bob, the garbage man, Bertana Nananuski. What's up, asswipes? It's me, your boy, Lance V. You proved your point. You broke into my vault. Congratulations. You're a dead man. I'm going in. Cover me, Porkins. I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. All right, so joining us today for Covering Water, we have got Mr. Ben Friedman. However, most people are going to know you by a different name, which would be, tell us what they know you by. I guess uh, Young Patriots. I don't know. It's, it, the last time I was on a Meteor podcast, it's kind of the same situation where Steve was looking at me like, what the hell does that mean? So, <laughs> I, yeah, I, YP, I guess. I don't know. 
YP, yes. So Young Page used YP, and you were the guy, you you like kicked off and grew Barstool Outdoors. That was your gig, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. From from this brain, one of the only things this brain's ever really uh, developed up in here other than thinking about fish. I guess it's still related to fish, but yeah. So yes, sir. You, now, we've, we've seen some evidence. There, there are some other things that came out of that brain. Yeah. We're going to talk about that, too. So people know you as Young Page Views, and I just have to add, famously... When you interviewed for Barstool, what did you bring to the office? A wallaby or something like that? A live animal? Yes, it was It was an albino wallaby named uh, Winston, I believe his name was. And honestly, our paths have never crossed since. <laughs> and I sometimes sit and wonder what Winston is doing out there, probably hopping around a pasture. I Hold on, hold on. Where did you get a line on an albino yeah. wallaby? Like, how did that come about? Honestly, I think I got it luckier than I realized because I've, I have since looked – I have looked for them for other reasons. Believe <laughs> it or not, I have tried to procure a wallaby again, and it was way harder the second time. So I guess I got lucky the first time, but it was – I think I found it online. It was some lady had like a farm. On Craigslist? In, uh, Wallaby? No, it was, in New, it was like in New York. I think I was looking up exotic animal things because I, I was looking for a tiger and the tiger was too much money. So I was like, had to go to plan B. Don't you hate that when the tiger is too much money? Like you have your heart set on a tiger. Yeah. I was so sad Sucks. because I, in my mind, I'm like, what a great idea. I'll just get a tiger and then I'll walk in. And then it turns out you have to get permits to bring a freaking uh, Bengal tiger yeah. in New York City. Yeah. There are sticklers about that. But, well, it, yeah, so annoying. But here's it? why I asked, though. I brought it up because did you know that there is a wallaby on Instagram called Young Pouch Views, which appears yes, to be named after Farm you. in St. Louis. That's another wallaby that I went to visit when it was a baby and they were naming it. <laughs> And then it, it was called Young Pouch Views, but then I, I honestly have been kind of a deadbeat dad. I got to go back and check on that wall. I have, admittedly, I'm going to say it right now, hand up. I've not gone back, and I, I, it feels horrible to say out loud. I've not gone back and played with it since that first. In time. some states, in some states, you can't get a fishing license if you don't pay your wallaby support. So you got to be, you got to watch oh, that. Man, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway, man, so you, you put out content for a lot of years um, for Barstool. And, you know, a lot of your uh, your fishing content, I noticed there was like sort of like a little bit of a jackass element to what you did, too. Like you did a lot of videos of you like in precarious situations or doing painful things, right? Yeah, a lot of it looked uncomfortable. Yes. Frankly. Sometimes I just stand there and get bit by like three pythons. <laughs> and like, honestly, it was it was kind of fun because once I started getting bit by more and more stuff, I realized I'm like, a lot of this stuff is overhyped. You know what I mean? Like a python, I've gotten hooks in my finger 50 million times more painful than getting bit by a python 30 times in a row. And I kind of, it was fun to almost like dispel that weird fear that people have, if that makes sense. I don't know. That's like the most, um, trying to make it more than a eulogy of getting bit by a python. <laughs> I guess it was for a bigger reason. Okay. So I asked you about all these, these videos where you're in uncomfortable situations because there may be a question or two tied to them in covering water. And to explain how that works, here's what we do. So I'm, I'm going to put two minutes on the clock on my cell phone and we are just going to pepper you with questions. And this rapid is different fire. from your, your rapid fire. So instead of doing like a, 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 like a formal, like well thought out interview, you have just seconds to answer each one because the clock is ticking. Okay. You can't um, think about it. We've never had, we can't think too much and we've never had anybody pass. I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think oh. there's a rule, but like, you know, you know, but then what we'll do is at the end of your two minutes, we'll give you a full minute to expand on any one of your answers. So, 
like we always say, whichever one you think is the most damning, like which is the one that you're like, oh shit, I should not have said that. We'll give you a whole minute to undo what you've done. You get to save. It's it's a it's a career saver after you've like it's dug a, a hole. A you can saver. fill it back in a little bit. <laughs> that's, that's basically what we're gonna do. <laughs> well, usually, less thinking is better for me. So rapid fire <laughs> could be to my advantage. <laughs> All right. So, Miles, are your questions ready? I'm you ready to go. Up? All right. Here we go. Ben, are you ready for this? Uh, as ready as I could be. I, I don't know. I may not be, but this is hopefully I'm ready. Okay, Miles, I'll lead. I'll start. All okay. Right. And two minutes are on the clock starting now. Your childhood fishing idol was? Say Mike Iaconelli. And my grandpa, I got to throw him in there as well. Oh, I like that. I like that. Have you ever had long hair? Um, never, never longer, like maybe to the top of my ears, but that's it. If you could fish with any celebrity living or dead, who would it be? Uh, honestly, Drake. This is a weird one. I'll explain it in my minute after. <laughs> that, that's the okay. recording artist, Aubrey Graham. Okay. Okay. What's the most underrated fishing state? Ooh. I'm going to say Missouri, hometown. I, I think it doesn't get enough credit. I think it's very fun. What's the most expensive pair of sneakers you own? <laughs> Did I have to buy them? My mom one time helped me get these uh, Nikes for my birthday that were called like the Pocket Knife DM or something. They were like $209. <laughs> and they're, they're, they're like camo colored with orange bottoms. Pretty cool. <laughs> gangster rap or outlaw country? Probably gangster rap, to be honest. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Which is the most fun to target? Snakeheads, peacock bass, or clown knife fish? Honestly, I'm in love with Clown Knifefish right now. That's subject to change, but my answer is Clown Knifefish. Meps, Vibrax, Panther Martin, or Rooster Tail? Rooster Tail. What's worse, getting stung by a man of war jellyfish or bitten by a python? Jelly, the, the man of war is definitely worse because it lasts longer. It lasts for like hours. Sketchiest spot you've ever gone fishing? A few days ago, down here in South Florida, the guy with a machete was walking by me in one of these canals. And I think any of the canals in South Florida are the scariest places I've ever gone fishing. What's the worst place you've ever been hooked? Ooh, I would say, you know, it's one of two places, either down near the gonads in the leg that could have been bad. Or I'd say like up here in the upper, upper face region where it's... Luckily, <laughs> fingers crossed, oh. neither one has been a direct hit yet, but I'd say one of those two. <laughs> All right, finish the sentence. Most fishermen are... Just drinking. <laughs> okay, we got time for one more each here. What was the last CD you purchased? Not album you downloaded, CD you purchased. Probably Jimmy Buffett, Greatest Hits. Uh, it was like an all-encompassing double disc, 40 songs. Like, <laughs> in, like at, the re- at the register at the Costco? All right, Miles, you got time for one more. Ooh, I get one more? Yeah. Uh, okay. Would you rather be a rapper or a tournament bass angler? Oh, am I going to be a champion of either one? Yes. I feel like uh, probably tournament bass angler, but I don't know. There might be more money in the music industry. So I... <laughs> <laughs> Definitely more okay. money in the music. We, we are we are out of time. And listen, we didn't we didn't talk about it up front, but there's there's there were several rap questions in here because for people who don't know, right before you were in the outdoor industry, right, you were you were making a play to be a rapper. Like we've listened to your songs, oh, I, dude. No, I actually find them catchy. <laughs> we sure we sure have. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh man. 
I got to scrub those off the internet. My, my, uh, my PR no, team. No, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so the, the rap dream kind of not, we're not, you're not Listen, dreaming it anymore. Never, never say die. Every, you never know. You know what I mean? They're, who knows? <laughs> but I mean, it certainly lost some steam in the past couple years for sure. <laughs> Can you freestyle right now? No, I'm out of that. I'm out of another freestyle <laughs> game. Listen, a lot of people that are good at rapping may be good at freestyling. I would be the guy that it would take like a week to write a song, and then I'd have to record yeah. it like 50,000 times in the studio to be able to make it like no, a man, but, but thing. No, man, but because we're so into music, we couldn't not bring up the rap, the rap yeah. career. So anyway, but anyway, I, I am going to put one minute on the clock and, and feel free to expand on any one of your answers that you uh, feel feel you'd like everybody to know more about time starts now um i would say the the one that has really just been in my mind for a while when it says one celebrity like living or dead there was a time i forgot like last year a couple years ago i was sitting there and i just had wondered if you know there's the rapper named drake is probably the biggest dude in the entire industry right now as far as pop music anything he's he's a star but i just i couldn't find any evidence of him fishing ever and for some reason i it may be something with my weird personality whatever is in my brain that caused me to be so screwed up i became obsessed with trying to figure out if he's ever just gone fishing one time and this guy you got to think of super famous celebrity their life's been documented for a decade and some time now there's no evidence of him ever going fishing one time not a picture not an account not anything and I'm starting to think this grown man who's worth, you know, a couple hundred million dollars has never caught a fish. And for some reason, it's like one of my missions in life to just, I want to be the dude that takes him to go fishing because I feel like he doesn't have that joy in his life. Money and women and success. He's never caught a fish. It, no, I'm not dissing him. I just, it seems like something every human should <laughs> have as part of their experience on earth. And I just don't think he's done it. So I don't know why I want to take him fishing. Well, I'm I'm sure Drake's listening to this show, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm like eighty percent positive this is going to happen for you now. Are you going to slip him a demo tape, like just maybe, because because you never know, I right? You know what? I didn't even think of that part. Of, this could be my roundabout way. I could the dream could still be alive. I need to somehow get him to go fishing with me, and then maybe even just have enough fun that he comes back, and then I'll be like, hey, I'll pick you up, and I'll just be playing it in the car. Uh. I think I think there's a lesson in there. Is there? <laughs> I, I, I think tell. so. Do tell. <laughs> Here, here's what I distilled from that. Albino wallabies ruin rap careers every time. If you ever find yourself <laughs> walking to a Manhattan office cradling an albino wallaby, your future as a rap artist is over, and I dare you to prove me wrong with evidence on that one. Well, isn't that what, what made DMX go out? Something with an albino wallaby? <laughs> I don't know. You're probably right. You're, look, I, I I appreciate a lot of rap. I'm not like a huge rap fan, uh, but say what you want about YP songs. There were a couple of hooks that mm. stuck with me. Like there were a couple, like I found myself just like muttering them in the car. I'm like, wow, man, that like was a good hook. I also feel like we're doing our audience and him a disservice if we don't at least give you a little taste, oh. just like a little bit, <laughs> right? So here's here's YP spitting a little hot fire. I'm really young, page views. Wake up, make this content till it's morning night. Just might take your lunch and eat it in one bite. Cameras, 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 give me all the footage. I might go Facebook Live, cut cold, you smash a woman. And now that you know what's been playing in, in Joe's head on repeat for the last on six months On my iPod so. Classic. <laughs> That concludes our Cosmetology Masterclass for this week. But as you're sweeping up, 
Note the ragged clumps of wisdom we left behind. Long-haired peanut butter sandwich smugglers should not travel internationally with rod tubes. Fish flies <laughs> like to get freaky in ZZ Top beards, and snake fangs hurt less than fish hooks embedded in fingers, at least according to that one source. That is correct. Hey, also, please keep sending mail to bent at the com. We want your awkward photos, bar nominations, salmon items, fish news suggestions, and general sentiments about life, the universe, and everything. Yes, we do. We also love to see what you're tagging with the Degenerate Angler and Bent Podcast hashtags. Keep us up to date on the important things in your life. And until next time, so long and thanks for all the fish. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.